Are you free tonight? Oh, come on. Oh, yes. I said, are you free tonight? Oh, that sounds a bit better. I said, are you free? You feel free? Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to do it South, Af- or South African, not South African. We're going to do it like gospel American. Okay? So when I say, are you free, go, oh, glory! Okay, you got to do this. You ready? I say, are you free tonight? Oh, far too white. Far too white. Let's try that again. I'm sure we've got a little bit more culture in us than that. Okay, I said, are you free tonight? Oh, oh come on. <laughs> we got someone there. All right. Hey, tonight, who's, who's ready for a good message? Well, you come to the wrong place because I haven't come to bring you a good message. I haven't come to bring you a great message. Tonight, we're having a recruitment drive. Say recruitment drive. Recruitment drive. Recruitment. We're going recruiting. I'm going recruiting for some freedom fighters. Who wants to be a freedom fighter? You see, I, it's a script. let's read the scripture first. Turn in your Bibles. No, don't turn in your Bibles. Just, just listen. It says Matthew 10, 38 and 39. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. If you don't take up your cross, if you don't take up what you've got and lay down what you've got and follow Jesus, then he says, you're not good enough. It's a bit of a slap, isn't it? What do you, what do you mean? If I don't take up my cross, I'm not worthy of following Jesus. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. We preach prosperity, we preach great fun, life in Christ, but he says if you don't lose your life for my sake, then you miss out. If you don't take up your cross and follow after me, you're not even worthy of me. You see, I've got a dream. We sing a song, we sing that song of, uh, did you feel the mountains tremble? What would it be like, the whole city of Hastings in here tonight? What would it be like? What would the atmosphere be like when the presence of God, with such unity flowing together, one voice, one sound, it empties the prisons. It empties the hospitals. I have a dream to see a nation that's free. You know, we call our nation clean and green. But how come if it's clean and green, we've got psych units filling up to overflowing? We've got the greatest suicide in the developed world? See, it might look clean and green with this, na- with this name, but of substance, it's dirty and it's broken. But God's called us to rise up. You see, I've got a dream that as a people that we would rise up and not just talk about saying, yeah, I live for Jesus, but I would actually live it. We didn't just come to a good message on a Sunday, but from Monday through Saturday, through the next Sunday, through the next week, through the next month, we're saying, I'm prepared to live and lay down my life for a cause that's bigger than me. I've been reading this book called uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Who's read that? And it talks about these stories of young girls. We've got some young ladies here today. A couple of young ladies stand up. Can I have a volunteer? You see, there were people like this, this age, in the, in the early time of the church. And what they used to do is they'd stand up for Jesus Christ. So what happened to them? They get shot. There was this one young lady, true story, and she was a very attractive lady, so it must have been talking about you. 
And what she did is she refused to serve a pagan god. She said, I will live for Jesus Christ. You know what they did to her? They got hooks, hooked it into her flesh, and just ripped, it, ripped the hooks out. Big hooks. Then what they did? Block some ears, maybe. They burnt her breasts till there were no more. And then they cut her head off. Where's she now? You see, she had a cause. You know, the, the Christ, the freedom that we have for today, today, how do we get that freedom? People died for that. People gave their lives for that. People gave their lives for the freedom that we have today. You've ever seen that movie, Saving Private Ryan? And, and at the end of the day, all these people died that this one person might escape out of the war. And at the end, he says, make your life count. Because you're sitting in a pew today because someone gave their life for what you did. It's like I'm reading these stories about battles because I love battles. And, and battles are gruesome. They're civilian casualties. It's terrible what happens. But my life is what it is today because someone lost their life in Europe. Because someone lost their life in Britain. Because someone lost their life in America. Because someone dared to stand up and say, this is not how it should be. Let's believe for something greater. We're just going to play a clip very shortly. But the, the title of this message is called Become a Freedom Fighter. Let's grab a hold of a cause, become a recruited soldier for the cause of Jesus Christ. You know, we fight not against flesh and blood. We don't fight a physical battle. But we fight to see God's kingdom established on earth. We fight to see His plans, His things established in our city that the social welfare department is out of a job, that the prisons are emptied, that our marriages become strong and stable, that our schools, instead of being places where drugs are dispersed, the place where Christ is dispersed. Let's just play this clip. Let's we can have the lights off. I am William Wallace. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Right? Against that? No! We will run! And we will live! Aye. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to train all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take they can take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Just as you listen to that, you feel something stirred on the inside of you. See, they were fighting against a tyrannical rule in Scotland, and they bought, he lost his life but it bought the freedom in Scotland that there is today. 
You see, so many of us as Christians, we want to gain our lives as well as live for Christ. We want to, we want to pretend that we're going to fight, but then we protect our lives. Tonight, I want to recruit you as a freedom fighter. Sort of the end of tonight, you'd say, yes, I'm prepared. He said, he said there, yes, you can run and you'll live. But many years from now when you're dying on your beds, would you not just think back and if just one chance, one chance if I'd given my life, what the difference could it be, what difference could be made? If I only had the chance to lay down my life for a cause that is greater than I, when I stand before God and he said, and I start to see the potential that could have been, and I think back, if only I had listened, if only I had stood up in my school, if only I'd stood up in my workplace, if only I'd given that little bit more of my finances, if only I hadn't lived so much for myself, then what would it have been like? I don't want to have any regrets. I don't want to have any regrets at the end of my life. I want to make my life count and make a difference. Those people that gave their lives, that I've got the freedom that I've got, I want them to better meet them in eternity and say, your life counted because it made a difference in me. It says this in the, in the book of John, John 8 verse 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free... You shall be free indeed. So we said, who are you free? Are you free tonight? Who's free tonight? If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So what are we talking about this? Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. You see, Jesus' blood, his blood set us free from sin, from self, and from Satan. His blood has brought us a freedom a freedom from tyrannical rule so that we can have life and life in abundance. So why am I talking about this? Because you're free, aren't you? Or are you? Are you free? Or are you? Do we live in a free country? Or do we? See, why talking about free when we say we already are? What did you say the last time someone invited you on a mission trip? What did you say? I'm too busy. Uh, I don't have any money. What, time, what did you say last time someone invited you to a meeting for Christians in your school that was going to start to pray for your school? Oh, oh I'm not good enough to do that. I, I don't know how to pray. I don't have the time to do that because I'm studying. What did you say the last time someone invited you to give to a cause to start something maybe in our community? You know, Sue spoke this morning when she did the offering message about making a difference in a life in someone in Hastings because she gave of her time, because she gave of her money and saw something changed, a life transformed. You say you're free, but I think we're not. And tonight, that's the challenge. We say we're free, but maybe... Maybe I don't think, maybe you're not. Maybe I'm not so sure anymore. Maybe Andrew better keep preaching because I'm not convinced I am free now. Are you hearing me? Are you free? What does it mean to be free? It means uninhibited, unreserved. It means 
that I can let go, it means that I'm no longer living for myself. So it doesn't matter what you think about me. It doesn't matter whether I preach a good message or a bad message, but I'm serving someone else, someone far greater, and his cause will be established. So if we're talking about being free, let's go right back to the beginning. Let's go back to the book of Exodus, chapter 1. This will come up in verse 8 to 14. You see, Israel, this is the people of Israel. They're, they're slaves in Egypt. We all know the story and this great deliverer, Moses, came up and, and set them free from Egypt. But you see, they went to Egypt to get saved from a famine. And they stayed in Egypt and they grew. And it says this. It says that Joseph, at the time of Joseph, they were looked after and cared for by the king, by the Pharaoh. But it says this in verse 6. And Joseph died, all his brothers and all that generation. But the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty. And the land was filled with them. So you imagine Egypt today. It's full of the Israelites. It's full of them. And it says this. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, look, look, look around you. The people of the children of Israel are more and they're mightier than we are. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And it happen in the event of war that they also join our enemies and fight against us. And so go on up out of this land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them and to afflict them with the burdens and they built for Pharaoh supply cities, Pithom and Ramesses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And so they were in dread. The Egyptians were in dread of the children of Israel. So the Egyptians made the children of Israel serve with rigor. You see, what happened is this Pharaoh, he was a shrewd, wise man. And he saw the multitude of the Israelites. And he could see their potential more than they could see it. You see, point number one. Your potential is out of this world. Your potential is out of this world. Your potential is bigger and better than you could even think or imagine what would be capable. Blank looks. Your potential is far bigger than you could even imagine. If you don't believe that, then the Bible's wrong. So do I stand on His way or do I stand on God's way? You see, you are the light of the world. Who's the light of the world? Who's the light of the world? Who's the light of the world? You are the hope of this generation. You are the hope of this generation. You are the answers to the problems in your neighborhood. Don't stand there just praying for a change in government or a change in policy or change in something. God's put you in your street. God's put you in your community. God's put you in your business. God's put you in your school because you are the light of the world. And you see, with God, I have an unusual advantage. With God, I can run through a troop and leave over a wall. With God, he strengthens my hands for battle. With God, I can do all things because he strengthens me. With God, I can overcome every obstacle I face. I can overcome even the insecurity. What do you mean? Even the insecurity that I grew up with? Could I ever, ever overcome that? You know, I used to think that, I had this little saying that said, if, if I've got nothing 
and I, cross, I come across someone in need, what can I do? What can I do? If I've got nothing and I come across someone in need, what can I do? If you've got nothing, you can do nothing, right? If I've got something and I come across someone in need, what can I do? If I've got a lot and I come across someone in need, what can I do? I used to think the more that I had, the more I could do. The more resources that I've got, the more that I can do. The more money that I've got, the more money I can give. The more time that I've got, the more time I can invest in. The more love that I've got, the more I can love people. But you see, that thinking is so wrong because that thinking is just my thinking. You see, God's thinking says you start with just a little and you can do a lot. Start with just five fish, a couple of loaves of bread, you can feed a multitude. You can start with just, you mean I could, I could do something with, with nothing? You mean I'd, I, only, I only work at the warehouse? I mean, how could I ever do anything? I don't earn much. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. You see, we've got people in this church that you would think are nobody, and yet they've done so much. They started off and who would have thought them? You, you, we look up and we see fire out. Look what they're doing on the platform. Look what they're doing overseas. But they didn't start off like that. They started off as a nothing. And they did something with their nothing. And God gave them more. And they did something with the more. And God gave them a bit more. You see, you are God's answer for your problems. You are God's solution for your community. If you want to grab a hold of it. You see, Pharaoh saw the potential in the Israelites. He saw what they could do. And so he dealt shrewdly with them. You see, it says this. Satan is totally aware and totally freaked out about your potential. He knows your potential far more than you do. I don't want to be sitting in a pew for the rest of my life doing nothing. But I want to tap into what God's got for me and achieve and change nations. Why? Why not? Why not? If God is, it's like we say, we say that, God, who are you? And he says, I am. What do you mean you I am? Who, who's I am? I am who I am. Why? Because I don't have to be somebody else. I don't have to copy you. I don't have to go that way. I don't have to do that thing. Because I can be who God made me to be. I don't have to live to someone else's expectations. But I can do far more, far greater. You know, who thought that we could start up a bank in Uganda? I mean, how do you do that? I don't know. But are we going to do it? Of course we are. I'm reading this story about this man who started up a bank in Bangladesh. He started it with $27. $27. Who here has not got $27? Flipping lies. Come and work for me for, for a couple of hours and you have $27. He started with $27 in 1976. It now... It's $2.3 billion and 2.3 million families helped out of poverty. You see, I have a dream that we can do far more than what we thought we can. You see, if we just think and sit down and believe what we, we look and see on television, you'll do nothing. You'll just be here next Sunday. But if you grasp a hold of what God says you can do, then who knows where you'll be next week? Who knows where you'll be tomorrow? You see, Satan sees your potential. Just like Pharaoh saw the potential. And it says this in verse 12. 
says, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were in dread of the children of Israel. See, what does that mean? You see, Pharaoh, he saw the potential, potential in Doug. And he says, if only, if only I'll just shut him down, I'll hold him down. I'll bring along some insecurity and I'll put that around him. And uh, I'll, I'll bring around this, this other things and shut him down. But the more he applied pressure, the more Doug grew. And to look at these guns. And he grew so strong. And you see, and then Pharaoh was filled with that. Who's ever been in that situation where it's like you do something wrong and you get caught? Just found out and you get that sickening feeling. Oh, no. Or you're driving along and you're speeding because you're in a hurry to get somewhere. And you see those flashing lights or flash. And it's like you get that feeling in your gut. It's like, oh, no. Just at the point of, or you're standing on the edge of a, of a ladder or something, and the ladder just tips slightly out, and you get that sickening feeling in your stomach. Oh, here we go. You see, Pharaoh had that sickening dread. Satan has that sickening dread when you grow. He's that sickening dread, that, that abhorrence. He's totally freaked out, totally aware of the potential that you've got. So what does he do about it? You see, Pharaoh has got a cunning plan. Satan's got a cunning plan. The same plan that worked then is working on you today. You see, the way you see is the way you act. The Israelites saw themselves as a slave, so they lived like a slave. You see, Pharaoh saw the potential in these people. They could have risen up and overwhelmed and overcome Egypt. But they stayed in that place. Why? Because Pharaoh didn't suddenly come in and say, right, you're a slave and put handcuffs on them. But he subtly came in and he said, right, what you're going to do is you're going to work for me and I'm going to pay you. And, and so they, oh, that's a good, good deal. And so they gradually started to work for him. And then he got them into a rut and they stayed in that rut working for him. And then he started to increase the quota. I said, I'll make some more bricks. And they still started to grow. So he said, what are we going to do? Is we're actually going to kill all the male children. Well, go on, chuck them in the Nile. And so what he did, he came in subtly. And before the Israelites realized it, they were in a welfare state. And even the middle class got social welfare payments. Are you hearing me? And so they just began to sit back and just do nothing. And so did they reach their potential? You see, God made them as a nation, and yet they were slaves. The same thing works for you. Who's seen the movie Ants? Ants. You've got these millions of ants. And you've got these cockroaches, grasshoppers. And grasshoppers, about half a dozen grasshoppers, they come and rule them by intimidation. And so they shut down and the ants don't become what they are. Who's ever seen an elephant? You know how they tear the elephants at night? They get a rope, tie a rope to the foot of the elephant and to a pig. What do you mean? The elephant will just walk away. You can pick it out. No, it doesn't because they start when the elephant's young with a rope tied to a pig. And then when the elephant grows up, the elephant sees himself as tied by the rope. And so although he could just pick it up and walk away, he doesn't. Why? Because he sees himself wrong. You see, what's the rope that's tied around your foot? What's the rope that's tied around your ankle? Because you look like an elephant. And you're just sitting there. Come on. Well, how about this? In history, 1941 in December, the Japanese 
came and assaulted Singapore. They wanted to take over the island of Singapore. There were 55,000 Japanese. Is that a lot of Japanese? Soldiers. Very effective fighting unit. But guess how many British and Commonwealth forces there were? 140,000. Who's got the upper hand? Oh, think about it for a while. You see, what happened is the British were occupying Singapore. And they said, we're solid here. It's okay. What the Japanese thought is we're on a purpose. We're prepared to lose our lives, but we want to take over the world. So what they did is they came down the, uh, the, the uh, island. They came down so fast and with such a solid air assault that the British forces thought there were far more of the Japanese than there really were. And so they retreated to the mainland of Singapore and there's apparently a bridge into, the, into one of the islands. And so they blew the bridge up to stop them from coming, but they kept coming. And so here you've got 150,000 British and Commonwealth troops. You've got 55,000 of the Japanese. They carry on. They can bring their landing craft in. They land on Singapore. So what happens? 140,000 British surrender to 55,000 Japanese. Why? Because they saw differently than reality. They saw different reality. You see, if Satan can keep you from seeing what reality is, then he'll keep you in the place that you are. He will keep you in the place that you are. So how do we change our reality? We've got to believe what God says. If I say I'm free, then I've got to live free. And so what are we on about today? Become a freedom fighter. Because I've got to fight for that freedom. You see that, that clip that we saw? What's it all about? It's about you can, you can go home tonight and just come back again next week. And you can just live. Or are you prepared to say, I'm prepared to lay my life down. I'm prepared to lose a friend. I'm prepared to lose my job. I'm prepared to take a pay rise or a pay salary or a pay cut. But I'm prepared to lose my life because I know in doing that, I'll gain something far greater. What do you want to do tonight? Or is that seat still comfortable? So how do you see yourself? Outnumbered, lack of resource, tied up with insecurity, not enough time, not enough money. I'm full of insecurity. Oh, I don't know enough of the Bible. What's your excuse? Oh, I come from New Zealand. I come from South Africa. Oh, he's here, isn't he? What's your excuse? Oh, I go to, I go to Flexme College. What's your, what's your excuse? Oh, I go to, uh, I come from Pongaroa. I mean, who's here of Pongaroa? What's your excuse? Oh, my mum and dad broke up when they were three. When I was three, when they were three. Oh, what's your excuse? I had a car crash. I spent three hours sitting in a car on the top of, where was it? Halfway up the Taupo Road. Three hours trapped in a car today. And who, is he, is he the same age as these guys? Did he bow down? Oh, okay, I've got to give up. I'm not going to do the offering message tonight. Prepared to lose his life so that you could hear the offering message. 
You see, you say you're free, but are you free indeed? You see this, how does he do it? The same strategy. Pharaoh dealt wisely. He set taskmasters over them to try and deal with them shrewdly and keep them trapped. So that if they saw their potential, they'd rise up and overcome. But they chose. They chose to see something different. You see, what, what's the practical? What's the pra- what am I really getting at today? You see, when that was the last time that you were asked to get involved in something in God? Where God said, hey, can you just do something for your neighbor? Oh, I don't have the time. I've, I've got to go to church. I, I can't go and help my neighbor whose husband's just died because I've got to be at church. What is church? Oh, oh blasphemy. Oh, you can't say that. When was the last time you helped someone at a cost to yourself? When was the last time you stepped out of your comfort zone to get in the face of somebody who was sick and dying just because you're reaching out Christ to them? When was the last time you laid down your life for somebody else? What does that mean? That means that I did something that I didn't necessarily want to do because I know there's something far greater in it. You see, Pharaoh dwelt shrewdly. There's two majors I want to whack with tonight. Number one, there's a Pharaoh of consumerism. Beautiful big word. What does that mean? Lack of money. See, what does it look like? Imagine this, a young man. He gets all these glossy magazines, fast cars, great gadgets, and cool clothes. He buys the image and puts it all on higher purchase. Have it now. Pay later. Pay for the rest of your life. So then he goes to EIT. Anyone at EIT? And so he takes out the full student loan that he could possibly get. He could work a little bit in the holidays, but he thinks, no, I'm right. I deserve a holiday. I'm not going to work in my holidays. And so he comes out of university. By the time he comes out of EIT, he's got more debt than his parents had for their first house. Then his pastor comes to him and says, hey, I was wondering if you'd like to come on a mission trip to Indonesia. What does he say? I haven't got enough money. I can't afford to go. Then he sees another magazine that comes through the mail, and it's, it's glossy. It's, it's Harvey Norman. Oh, I've got a mate that works at Harvey Norman. I better go and support him. I really want that PS2. It says that I can buy it now and I don't have to pay for it for two years, interest-free. Oh, it's a bargain. I mean, that's got to be the blessing of God. Are you hearing me? And so then when God says, can you do something? Oh, I can't because I've got, I've got so much debt, I can't do a thing. And so when God calls and knocks on your door, say, hey, now's your time to do something. I'm so consumed with myself and so locked up in financial debt that I'm useless for the purposes of God. Are you hearing me? I work in a bank. It makes me sick to see how seductive the thing. I get the things in the mail too. Hey, we've automatically approved you with a new loan. You can just go out and upgrade your kitchen. You've always wanted to do it. Why be you when you can be new? Upgrades. Robots. Upgrade. Why be you when you can be new? Hey, Doug. Come on, let's redo your image. Are you hearing me? And so people are so consumed with having something for me now. I've got to have that new car. I've got to have that new exhaust on my new car. I've got to have that flash new set of earrings. Hey, Rach. 
I've got to have that new set of, set of, I mean, latest things, guest shoes. I've got to have some new shoes. I've got to have those glasses because the glasses that I've got aren't cool anymore. So I've got to go with that. And so we just buy it, buy it, buy it, consume with self. So that when God comes knocking on your door, says, can you just help the lady next door? Oh, I don't have any money. I can't afford to help her. Pharaoh has rendered you useless for the purposes of God in your generation. And so a generation dies. Does that make sense? You see, God's wanting to raise up some people. I've got a dream. Imagine what it would be like. This whole church completely debt-free. Not a single amount of debt. If you imagine that, what would that be like? If you do the number, I've done the numbers. If you imagine 200 families, $150,000 mortgage each. Okay, you still with me? Average interest rate, maybe 7.5%. And they want to repay that over 15 years. How much interest do you think they'd pay? 200 families? $17 million. What could $17 million do for the purposes of God in our city? What could $17 million do for the purposes of God in Uganda? What could $17 million do for the purposes of God in our country? Who's been rendered useless because they've been sucked into the lie of buy more stuff? And they've got warehouses and bedrooms full of old toys, full of gadgets and widgets. And their lives become rendered useless for the purposes of God. Will you fight against them? No. See, that's what William Wallace said. Will you fight? And they saw, you mean I can't just go and just have what I want and live like I want to live like everyone else's? Well, you can have that if you really want, but then you're going to get to the end of your life and think back, if only maybe I had lived something different then my life would have counted for something far greater than just having the nice house and having the nice car and having the nice family and having a a great superannuation scheme and then dying. And your neighbors didn't even know that you carried the purposes of God, rendered ineffective for the purposes of God. The second thing is the Pharaoh of busyness. Busyness, a lack of time. What does it look like? You see, Pharaoh saw the Israelites. He saw their potential. And he says, if I can just keep them busy, they'll never realize what they're capable of. I'll keep them so busy, they'll be ineffective. So what does he do? He comes along and he says, right, work harder. Right, Brian, I want to give you a promotion at work. Oh, great. I get pay rise. The, the amount that I give to church can increase. Great, this is great. Oh, only catch. It's going to take uh, three days out of your week I want you to spend in Wellington. Oh, well, I guess that's the cost of that, isn't it? I'm laying down my life for a promotion. So then he's three days away from his family. He's three days ineffective. And it shuts down what he is because he gives his life to something that is short-term. What would it be like in work, in school? See, I've heard it said, 
And maybe you're not like this. It's like, I can't come to youth group tonight because I've got to study. It's like, oh, come on, whoever said that? I've, I've heard it said it in the music practice. We get some great excuses there. Oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm too busy. I need to have some time out. Oh, come on. You see, I know people that are so busy doing so many things, they're rendered useless. They're good at nothing. They're involved with school and leadership. They're involved with work that's 10, 11, 12 hours a day. They're involved with family. They're involved with so many things, they've got no spare time to do anything extra. You see, who is in control of your time? Who is in control of your day? Who is in control of what you do? You are. More bricks, less straw. I see the same thing in my job. You see, I'll just get busier and busier and busier thinking that I've got to meet the needs of somebody else. I'm doing a great job. And then I find myself so caught up into the cycle that I'm running faster and faster and faster. And I can't do anything because I'm so busy I can't even connect to people. When was the last time you had to rush through something so quickly that you didn't even connect with somebody? And that's how you know. You see, what happened with the Israelites is because they got so busy making more, that the task got more. Do this, do that, do this. You've got to go to the gym. You've got to go to school. You've got to study. You've got to do an extra paper. You've got to do this. You've got to do the other things. You've, then you've got to come to this another meeting, another meeting, and, and do these other things. See, then we come into church and we some, carry that same culture into church. We get so busy with church things that we disconnect from people. Are you hearing me? Rendered ineffective for the purpose of God. You see what happened? Pharaoh came in and he said, take all the male children and chuck them in the river Nile. So what happened? A whole generation of young men were destroyed. How many sons do you know that are not here today because someone was too busy to connect with them? How many sons do you know? How many young people do you know that are not here today because someone was too busy to connect. Someone was too busy, so caught up in their work, so caught up in some other things, so, so caught up in ministry and in meetings that they didn't connect with their own children. Their children aren't here today. God's called you to make a difference. You see, it says, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. What does it look like? They're so busy doing things for God, you don't have time to connect with God. When was the last time you did that? You see, what does the Bible say? Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke on you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find a rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Psalm 46, 7, be still and know that I am God. Isaiah thirty fifteen. in returning and rest you shall be saved, and quietness and confidence shall be your strength. You see, I don't talk about these things lightly because I'm the kind of guy that wants to run ahead of God. And I've had my hand slapped so many times. But there's a time to be still and pursue God. See, what does it say in Matthew six thirty three? Seek great ministry. 
And then all these things will get added to you. Seek your own house, seek the best paying job, and then you'll be a great missionary. What does it say? It says, seek first the kingdom. You see, what do we want to become freedom fighters for? The kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about positioning myself in his ways with his thinking that I can see his purposes brought to bear. It's all about seeking him first, positioning myself in intimacy and relationship with him. And then out of that, everything else flows. It's about laying down some of the things that I might want to do, like sleep for an extra half an hour in the morning. And I get up and be intimate with my God. And then out of that, life begins to flow. He says, be still and know. You see, why is the world such a mess? And when we say we're free, it's because we've been seduced by the Pharaoh of consumerism, by having all these things, fill up your life with all these great things. We've been seduced by the busyness of running around, do this, run here, scurry, hurry, run and do this. And yet we miss the very thing that God's trying to get our attention with. Be still, connect with me, and then out of that everything will flow. You see, I know these people here tonight, and you just challenge, you, maybe you're here tonight and you're challenged on the area of finance. And you see that your life has been so cluttered up and consumed with yourself that you've got so much debt, you're so bogged down with your commitments that you're not free anymore. I want to challenge you. Recognize the condition and make some steps to change it. You see, what does the Bible say in regard to finance? It says, be anxious for nothing, but in all things trust God. Psalm 23, verse 1. You all know Psalm 23. The Lord is my, I shall not. Oh, do I believe that one? I've been praying for the last month. Father, I thank you that I have everything I need. I have everything I need. I have everything I need. I trust you, but I still buy the lotto ticket. No. I trust you, but I still do the the text to Grizz Wiley on the rugby last night. Maybe you didn't watch the rugby. So consumed by all these, it's like instant $10,000 to do this or do that. I have need of nothing. 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 So that glossy magazine comes through the paper, comes through the letterbox. I don't even need to have a look at it because I need of nothing. I don't have to rush to the sale here, rush there because I have need of nothing. And suddenly, what's happened? I'm free. I'm free. I don't have to do that. I get a revelation about pursuing God. And so what happens when my boss says, hey, do you want that promotion, that job? Not interested. Because it'll take me away from my family, which is my core purpose of being here. Why? Because I want to see the next generation in my family. I don't want to see them killed. I don't want to see them. I want to see them in this place. I want to see them doing greater things than me. I want to see them locking into the purposes of God. And if I go in and start to do those things, that'll take up more of my time that I don't have. And so I begin to stand up. You see, I can stand secure in the fact that my God is with me. And if I'm with him, I don't have to worry about those things anymore. So I can trust him. I wonder if you're here tonight and you feel stirred and challenged in in those things, either the busyness. You say, my life's got so busy, I'm totally rendered ineffective. I can't do anything for God because I don't have any spare time. Or maybe it's the finance that shuts you down. 
Will you fight? Yes, you may die. You may lose your life, but in losing your life for his sake, you will find much, much more. Much, much more. Or will you say, I'll just pursue and carry on down the track that I'm going. And at the end of their life, you look back and you think, if only I'd listened. If only I'd made just a few simple choices, I won't go down that track. I won't put that on HP. I'll only buy that when I've got the cash to do it. Then maybe your life could make far greater difference, a far greater difference than what you could ever believe or hope or ask or imagine. You see, what do you do? What, how do you break free from things, these things? Number one, you've got to recognize what thinking has enslaved you. You say you're free, but I know there's thinking that's enslaved us. Number two, repent from worldly attitudes towards time and finance. You see, if I've been redeemed, he's redeemed my time. He's redeemed my finances. Or am I still living for myself and my money is my own and my time is my own? If you are bought with a, Christ, with a, with a price, you're no longer your own. He who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of, you, of me. Are you worthy of Jesus Christ tonight? Are you worthy of Jesus Christ tonight? Are you worthy to be a freedom fighter for the kingdom of heaven? I love it. Count me in. Count me in. We need that challenge. I need to go to Uganda every year. Why? So that I get the challenge to make my life count. Otherwise, I'll just cruise. Number three, submit your thinking and lifestyle to God's ways and get committed to God's cause. And number four, join the cause and help your neighbor. There's some such little things that we can do. Coming up in the year, I know that we can have a finance course at some point. The youth are talking about doing the same thing, where you can take God's principles and apply them to your finances and change. But you see, the scripture says, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all who are labor, you who labor and are heavy burdened, I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I know there's people here tonight, and we're going to pray for you shortly. And you feel just totally overwhelmed by the things that have come around you. You feel depressed and discouraged. And there's people here tonight that you've been thinking, what's the point? I might as well just give up now. But I say, hey, there's a cause that's worth dying for. Don't just end your life because there's something far greater that we can live for. And then if I die for that cause, then I enter into something far, far greater. You see, there's people here tonight Maybe you're here tonight and you know, don't even know Jesus Christ. You hear this message about being a freedom fighter for what? You see, there's a man called Jesus Christ and he knows exactly who you are and where you are. You see, it says this, that God looked down and he saw the burdens. He saw the oppression of the people and he had compassion. You see, God looks down. Jesus now sees what we're going through and he has compassion. And where we're at. And he reaches out and he says, Come to me, all your labor and a heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I wonder if there's anyone here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus. And you hear this message and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ and live for something greater than myself. With every eye closed, I wonder if that's you tonight. You say it's not just about a message, it's about recruiting a freedom fighter. You say, I've never known Jesus Christ. 
And I want to give my life for something greater than me. I want to meet this Jesus Christ. If that's you tonight, then I want you to stick your hand up. Say, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I haven't done that before. And I want to make my life count for the long run. I want to invite Jesus Christ into my life. If that's you tonight, I want you to stick your hand up. You say, I'm so caught up with a guy. I'm so caught up with a girl that I miss the purpose of life. You say, I'm so caught up in my job. I'm so caught up with my family. I'm so caught up with the things of life that we get bypassed for the purposes of God. And see, God looks down and He sees the burdens. He sees the labor. He sees the things that you're going through. And He has compassion. You know, I know there's people here tonight and you feel overwhelmed by the things that you're going through. You say, God, how could you ever get me out of this situation? How could you ever bring me through this situation to make a difference in my world? How could I ever get free from these financial problems? How could I ever just jump out of the busyness? I don't want to tell you. Seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now Jesus didn't just come to fill up a church. Jesus came to change the world. Jesus didn't come just to fill up the church, but to change the world. He didn't just come to change your Sundays, but change your life. Change the way you view marriage. Change the way you view finance. Change the way that you view relationships. Change the way that you view governments. And make a difference in your life.